your course is like, it's your, your pride and joy. It's like the one big thing. It's not some Facebook video you did or a post you put on Twitter or whatever. It's your big thing. Welcome to the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and after eight years working full-time as an engineer, I'm proud to say that now I fully support my family just from the income of my online piano course. Today on the show, I was joined by Krista King, who has a an online course. She actually has a, a library of online courses related to math. And it's really interesting because Krista and I first communicated via email back in 2013 because she was on this, this program, almost an online course called Creative Live. And that's where you go to California and they do these live online courses and they need they need students. And there was this uh, it was this YouTube marketing course and it was taught by a big internet marketing person, James Wedmore, and there was like five students and Krista was one of them. And she she went through this course live with James Wedmore and I I watched a recording of that a few weeks later. And I actually reached out to her back then just, just asking her how things worked out after she took the course because I had just finished the course and I was wondering how applicable all the material was. And so when I started doing this podcast and I started talking to people who had online courses based on their hobbies or, or passions, she was an obvious person for me to reach back out to and try to set this up. So I was so glad that I was able to, we were able to line this up and talk to her about her online math courses. And on the, some of the things we talked about, one of the biggest things we talked about is how she was, she's been successful even without an email list. That seriously blew my mind to hear that because everybody always talks about how the money is in the list and you've got to have a list. Whatever you do, start with a list. And she and her husband have been very successful without a list. And that is just really, really interesting. The other thing that was really cool is that she's got just this library of courses. She doesn't just te teach calculus, which back in 2013, I think that's all she was doing was calculus, but she's branched out and she does algebra, algebra one, two, geometry, anything related to, to math and kind of anywhere from seventh grade through college math courses. And that way she can resell to the same people. You know, if they're taking seventh grade math and they, they enjoy her course, they can, the next year, hopefully they go back to her for the next course, which is just really cool. So she and her husband are doing an awesome job with everything. And it was an, it was a, it was really cool to be able to sit down and talk to her for this interview. So let's go ahead and jump to it now. Hey, Krista, welcome to the show. Hi, Jacques. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so look, let's start like this. Can you take me back to the, the moment, if you remember, when you decided you want to make your make an online course? Yeah. So, there's, I'd say there's sort of two parts to that. Um, the first part was starting this hobby, this business in general. Mm -hmm. When I didn't even know I wanted to make an online course, I just started, and I started making content, and um, that was way back in the beginning in 2009, maybe, um, when I knew that I wanted to do some kind of business, do a business online, my husband and I were thinking of ideas and we got really excited about this idea. When I actually knew I wanted to make an online course was closer to 2012, 2013. 
we started kicking around the idea. I was sort of starting to build up some content um, and that started to become a possibility. And when we really got fired up about it was in 2013, which is actually when you and I sort of digitally connected and didn't know it um, through Creative Live, when James Wedmore encouraged us to make an online course, that kind of pushed us over the edge. We got really excited about it and we decided that we wanted to create online courses in a school and really try to have that be our product. So you mentioned in 2009, you, you, you and your husband really wanted to have some sort of online business. And it wasn't until a few years later that you really you know, honed in on what that would be, how you would generate revenue. What was the motivation back in 2009? I can tell you that time frame is, is a little bit similar to mine because in 2007, I read the four hour work week and that was, that was the start for me. I mean, is it similar for you or is it something else? Yeah, no, it is. Um, we finished college in 2008, you know, got into normal jobs um, in 2008, 2009, around that time. And we knew that we wanted, that we were interested in having our own business. And we knew that we were interested in an online business because we loved the idea of having the freedom to be anywhere. So we were kicking around that idea and I had done math tutoring through college. That was my job. And I really enjoyed that. And so we were thinking, you know, what can we do? That was one of the ideas we had on the table. And we, you know, we're pursuing a couple different things. And that was kind of the one that stuck. Um, so we got momentum with it, but kind of similar to your story, we, um, we did read four hour work week. We read, um, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, crush it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that sort of got us thinking that this was something that we could do. Uh, and so that's why we started making content, but it was right around that time when that was starting to become a possibility. Um, when we were in school and we were taking our own math classes, YouTube didn't even exist. And yet right after school, we got started on YouTube. Um, So that was the same kind of timing where um, we really started to dive in. So you graduated from college in 2008, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly the same time frame as me. Um, So did you, did you major in math? No, we were both psychology majors. So (laughs) that's one of the strange things. People think that, you know, I was a math major or whatever, Um, but we were psych majors, but I, I had always liked math growing up as a kid. You know, if you asked me when I was 13, you know, what's your favorite subject in school? It would have been math. I liked that a lot. And then in college, um, I found out I could tutor as a job on campus. I loved that idea. So I got into that right away and tutored all the way through college. Um, I wanted to work while I was in school and that's what I did. So that's kind of how I got into actually helping other people with math and how I figured out that I really, really liked it. So you were never, I, I just kind of assumed that you were a, a calculus teacher. It, it, was, <laughs> is that not the case? What kind of job did you get after you graduated college? Yeah, after I got out, um, I worked just in a business as an administrative assistant. I did some project management, um, just, you know, random business things that were not psychology related and not math related. Um, but we knew we wanted to do this and we were working on it on the side. And so we were doing nights and weekends and then eventually, um, we're able to transition to full time, but no, I've never, um, 
I've never actually like been employed by somebody else as a teacher or, you know, worked in the math field. It just transitioned from tutoring to, um, you know, to, to doing this. And it, it was just, I want to make videos and put those out online and try to help people um, because I had done that before and I realized I could do it on the internet. So it started out as simple as that and turned into something that we actually realized, you know, we could work at. So that's uh that's really interesting. Like I said, I just assumed you were a calculus teacher and, and <laughs> I was wondering, you know, at what point you were able to step away from that teacher job and just focus on your, your membership. So that's really cool. And you know, the more we talk, the the more similarities to our stories I find because I'm I wasn't a piano teacher. I was an I was an engineer and oh, wow. know, piano was my hobby. And I turned that into an online course. And I guess math, you could say, was your hobby. It wasn't your source of income, but it was something you really were passionate about, I'm assuming. Yeah. And you were able to find that there was a market for it and, and eventually monetize it. So um, when I first heard of you was, I think, around 2013. And it's because I was just getting started. That's when I was getting started in 2013. And video seemed like a really good idea for my business and specifically uh, YouTube and a YouTube channel. And that's when... That's when I was getting started with that. And so I was looking for an online course on that. And I came across the creative live course with James Wedmore and you were actually there in person live with him. Right. And, and that's how I, um, that's how I came across you. And you seem to really understand the things that, that James was talking about um, even more than kind of the other students there. And from what I remember, James's big message was look, look, YouTube isn't the end game. You've got your content on YouTube and then let's get people kind of hooked in there and then direct them to your website and sell them something on your website. Right. So can you talk about that creative live experience and, and what you learned there? And if it was, you know, if you enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it was a big, it was a big um, game changer for us. Um, I think I maybe mentioned before we had contemplated the idea of online courses before. And at the time we were actually on WordPress we had even purchased a WordPress plugin to host a membership site because we had been thinking about courses. So it wasn't a brand new idea for us, um, but we had never pulled the trigger. You know, it's a big transition. It's a big thing to add on. And we hadn't really gotten started. And when we got to Creative Live, we didn't know that this was what it was going to be. But during the course and then, you know, in the off time when you get to interact with the person who's teaching, you know, during lunch and when you're doing your homework and things during that couple day creative live experience, he really pushed us to, you know, this is what you need to do. He was already doing it. It was working for him. Like you said, you know, he kind of shifted that, that thinking of YouTube's not the end game. You can do more, you can do better. And that was, I think, what we needed um, to push us over the edge. It was also a good time because that we had just gone full time, both of us. So we had the time. Um, I had gotten to a point, we got to a point where we sort of had enough material. We felt like we could make online courses with what we had. So it was really good timing in a lot of ways for us to transition into that. And he just really encouraged us um, to make courses, um, to create, you know, a membership site. And so we, when we got back from that, we really started to jump in. And I want to say, um, we launched, uh, within a couple months of that. I think we launched in late April and I want to say we did creative live in February or March. Wow. So, um, so it was quick, but we, 
um, we wanted to just like jump in and do it. And um, so it was really exciting. It was really exciting. Yeah, that's, that's, an, that's very fast paced to get a course together. It took <laughs> me way, way longer than that. So is it safe to say that, that pre-creative live, your only source of revenue for your business was YouTube ads? I think so. Yeah. If I remember, um, if it wasn't the only one, it was definitely the primary. Right. And, um, and you know, we were just doing that and you know, our thinking was, okay, if, you know, if we can make money with YouTube, well, if we just make more YouTube videos, we'll make more money and we'll do that. And we're helping people and this is good. And so, you know, we were kind of continuing, continuing along with that. Um, so that was definitely the primary, but really as soon as we launched the school, that immediately became like our primary focus, figuring out how to build that, figuring out how to, you know, become known for that, how to build the best course experience that we could, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And thinking back, you know, I haven't watched that, uh, that, that course, that creative live course, you know, in years, but I seem to remember that, uh, I remember you were running ads on your channel and I think James Wedmore told you to stop running ads because that kind of turned people off and that your revenue was going to start coming from your membership site, your course. Um, so did, did you turn off ads? <laughs> we, we did at least at certain points. I don't think we did immediately. Um, I think later on, once we got some momentum with our courses, um, we experimented with turning them off. Um, I think we eventually turned them back on and I think they're on now. Um, they are on now. Yeah, they're on now. Um, so we've gone on and off and I understand why he gave that advice of like your courses are your primary. You want to do that. Um, for us, it's been a great supplemental source of income. Um, I don't know what's right or wrong, um, or the best thing to do, but, um, I think the kind of content that we have, um, we're already giving away, you know, a lot of free instruction on YouTube, walking people through problems, trying to help there. And so our strategy has been, um, if somebody needs homework help and they think that this video they're about to watch is really going to help them answer this problem they're stuck on, you know, they'll stick around through that. They'll watch it. And if we really help them, and they're like, wow, like that was so helpful. That helped me. That saved me time. Um, then they'll be interested enough to come over and check out our site and see if, you know, we could um, be more helpful if, you know, the course is going to be worthwhile for them. So we have them up now, but, um, but I definitely understood why he said that for sure. Yeah. And I, I personally took his advice and I was just starting my YouTube channel at the time. And YouTube is an awesome source of traffic for me as well. And my, the ads on my channel have basically been off ever since it started. So I've never really generated any money from YouTube ads, but I did hear something very recently, like within the past month about that, that I thought was interesting. And I don't know if you can speak to this at all, but, um, the, there, there was somebody who kind of knows something about YouTube that gave the opposite advice as James Wedmore. And he said, turn the ads on because obviously Google makes money from your ads. And so if you have ads turned on, they're more likely to show your video to people. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, no, I can absolutely see that. I don't, I don't know enough <laughs> to yeah. know if it's true, but, um, but I could absolutely see it being true. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think people, I know that I don't love watching ads 
at the same time, if there's a video that I really want to watch, I don't mind watching an ad um, before the video. I think people are somewhat used to it. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of, of videos there that, um, you know, people tell us all the time, oh, this helped me so much. And so I feel okay, you know, having those there. Um, but we're not necessarily trying to look at what's the best um, tactic to, you know, make sure that we get as many people through as we can. We just, you know, want to have a great YouTube channel that's really helpful, that gets people excited about our content. And, you know, if they want to sign up for our courses and they can. So you, so you mentioned your, your husband several times. You guys actually quit your full-time jobs at the same time. Is that correct? Yeah. It, um, close to each other. I, I don't remember exactly the timing of um, how we coordinated it, but we, we quit and moved and, you know, went into this full-time and all that. So um, yeah, we both got into it full-time right there at the beginning of 2013. And he doesn't have his own thing. Like you guys both work on this one business. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. We both do this full time. And, um, you know, I do the videos obviously in that content, but, um, he does, you know, video editing and, um, website work and takes pictures for our, all of our social media. And, um, you know, we do emails and so we're just fully in it, both of us together. Okay. That's, I was going to ask what the breakdown is between the two oh. of you. So do you guys have anybody else that, that works on the team or is it just the two of you? It's really just the two of us. We've done, um, you know, some outsourcing to get help. Um, when we have a big project and we really like need extra hands to, to mow through something, but, um, any help that we get that still, you know, funnels back through us. We don't have anybody else who's full time or employ anybody else. It's really just, a two man band over here. <laughs> okay. So, so what does the day to day look like for your household then and for your household and your business? Yeah. So, um, a lot of it is emails and customer service, obviously within our online courses. Um, we, um, encourage people to ask questions when they get stuck on something. So I spend a lot of time, um, writing back to people, helping them answering questions. So that's a big part of it. Um, just trying to be, you know, to create that relationship um, with our students. Um, a lot of it is building new content. So that's filming new videos, um, maybe planning for future new courses. Um, it'll be editing. It'll be, um, you know, going in and um, managing all of our social channels, um, planning, all kinds of things. Uh, it changes a lot. And sometimes we'll really chunk things together of like this week is going to be just all filming. And then this week's going to be all, you know, we're really going to focus on building new quizzes or, you know, whatever. So it can change a lot, but, but that's most of what we do. So do you have, do you have a library of courses? I mean, I can tell you for me, I have one course. People come to me, they want to learn how to play piano. I've got one course to offer them. Mm -hmm. Is that the way yours works? Hey, come learn calculus in this course, or do you have multiple courses? Yeah, so we have, um, right now, we have our courses in a few different places, and basically, it's, it's all math from pre-algebra through the end of calculus and a little bit of differential equations. So for anybody in the United States, that's like a 
sixth, seventh grade, um, all the way up through your second or maybe third year of college. So kind of that range of math. Um, and then we're looking at adding more courses to that offering. For example, um, some people take a probability and statistics somewhere in that range um, instead of a trigonometry or instead of a pre-calculus or something. And we don't have that course yet, but it's something that we'd like to add. And then we could um, extend our courses on the advanced end. But right now, um, that, um, that course sequence is broken down into each sort of individual school year on our own site and then um, on some other sites as well where we host our courses. So I thought you were the calculus person. It, you, <laughs> has that changed or have you always been more just general math? Well, no, you're right. So, um, so I started out as calculus and I was primarily focused on calculus one and two and it kind of branched off into calculus three. Um, but then, you know, over the last several years, we've branched out. So we've added pre-algebra, algebra one, algebra two, geometry, trig and pre-calc, um, a little bit of differential equations, which is something you take after calc three usually um, to kind of offer that spectrum. And the reason was because, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, once you have one course, you may have students who say, would you ever consider making a course about this? Or I'd love for you to make a course about whatever. And so for us with math, that's obviously been, oh man, I really need an algebra course so I can go back and review before I take your calculus course. Or I just took your calculus course. I'd love to go further. Do you have, you know, the next step um, in the series? And I'm sure with you with piano, you know, I, um, I want to go further in this area of piano or I want to do a different instrument or I want, you know, all kinds of ideas people have. So that really encouraged us to expand our course offering from just calculus. We wanted to be able to provide that so we could say yes to people and, you know, you need to review algebra. Absolutely. We had that and really kind of build that sequence. So if people wanted to stay with us, they could. Yeah, I'm actually really jealous of that because like I said, I only have one course offering as far as piano goes. That's, that's cool that you have a lot of things to offer people. And if they're in, you know, eighth grade math and they, they take your course, whatever, whatever they would be learning at that point, and they like you and like the course, well, next year they're in ninth grade and they can have another course and come back. So you, I'm assuming you have a lot of repeat customers, which like I said, I'm very jealous of. <laughs> but um, the big secret with me is that I'm really not that great at piano. Um, I, I have, uh, you know, my background is in engineering and I, I take an engineer's approach to piano, kind of breaking it down, a lot of formulas and things. But everything that I know and can teach about piano is in this one course that I offer. So uh, that's really? great that you've got multiple offerings. That's really cool. So let's talk about, I'm, I'm curious about your marketing because you've got these multiple courses and with me and like my YouTube channel, after every video, I direct people to the exact same like lead magnet opt-in offer to get people's email addresses. Since you have um, a bigger, you know, your audience could be potentially bigger. They're interested in multiple things and you have multiple course offerings. Do you have different lead magnets? Yeah, so it's a great question. And marketing is something I would say is not our strongest suit. I think some people are excellent marketers. I would never call myself an excellent marketer. Um, I feel more comfortable building content and interacting with students than I do marketing. Um, so I definitely would not say I'm the guru there, but um, we, do, we do try to push people back to our website so that they're aware of the courses that we have to offer. 
because that's how we want to build relationships with our students and interact. So we're pushing people back there. We, um, we have had different lead magnets at times, and it is a challenge because, like you said, when you have one course, you can push everybody to the same spot. For us, um, talking to a pre-algebra student or the parent of a pre-algebra student compared to talking to a Calculus three student is a really different conversation, and we can't give them something, really, that is going to be helpful to both people at the same time. Um, so we've done things like um, build a formula sheet, maybe that um, collects all of the formulas that you use in a pre-algebra course, or collects all the formulas you use in a Calculus three course and give that away for free in exchange for an email address, and then have people on separate lists and tell each person, hey, I have a Calculus three course, here's what's in it. If you could use more help, this is something you might wanna consider. Or, you know, I have a full pre-algebra course, and send them you know through separate sequences um, right now what we're focused on is more of you know those long tail keywords building youtube videos building blog post content where we give away a lot of the content for free and it's like you know here's everything you'd want to know about this topic um, whether that's in a blog post or in a youtube video and we teach that and then if you found that helpful and you'd like more of that hey by the way since this is a Algebra one video. I have an algebra one course on my site that will teach you everything you need to know about algebra one um, and they can, you know, opt into that. But it is a separate thing for each course, um, just because the content is so different. Are you doing any paid advertising or is YouTube your main source of traffic. YouTube is definitely our primary source of traffic and currently we're not doing any paid advertising. We've experimented with it. Um, but we're not doing any right now. It's something we'd like to do in the future, but it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to get that targeting right, we found. Um, and even the fact that our audiences are so different, I'd be curious what kinds of students you see through your, through your course. Um, you know, I can get a 12-year-old student all the way through a college student or the parent of a student, or we get a lot of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are going back to school mm. um, to either finish a degree, they're doing a career change, and so they want to um, get an advanced degree and math is a prerequisite, or they're retired and they always kind of had an interest in math when they were younger, they like to get back into it and they just want to go through and learn. And that's just a, a big spectrum of people with different demographics and interests and all that kind of stuff. So to um, figure out how to reach the right people with the right message in a paid advertising campaign is something that um, we're still working on getting right. I, that's very complicated. I've tried, and Facebook is really the place where you have to figure out that targeting. And I've tried many times on my own to, to make that work and be successful. And I failed many times. And uh, fortunately, today, I actually have outsourced that to somebody who is much smarter than me and is able to get that right. And finally, for the first time, um, I have a positive ROI with Facebook ads. But I, I did hear something. I think it was just yesterday. I heard something very interesting. You're mentioning the targeting. Um, this guy, Will Hamilton, who, um, who basically has an online tennis course. Uh, mm -hmm. he, his uh, website is fuzzyyellowballs.com. I don't know if you've heard of him. 
I but have, he, yeah. He was talking about um, Facebook targeting and he's like, you know, people try to complicate and everything. He's like, I have these really successful Facebook campaigns and I'm literally targeting people with the interest of tennis and that's it. Oh. <laughs> so I thought that Shockingly was good advice. Simple. Yeah, because yeah. it's just nice and simple and, and it works for him. But, you know, going back, you, you mentioned um, kind of your, your demographics and everything. It's funny how, like with me, I didn't know who my audience was going to be when I first started out. And as it turns out, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the vast majority are people who are at least 55 years old. And it's these people mm -hmm. who kind of took piano lessons when they were a kid and didn't really work out. They didn't really like it. They quit, but they always regretted not actually learning how to play. So yeah. now maybe they retired, maybe they have a little more money and they want to get back into it, but they don't want to get into those same uh, piano lessons. So, you know, to your point, I think it's important, you know, who these people are that are coming through and that will help you with, I guess, all aspects of your marketing, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting um, observation that I think we have kind of an overlapping student base of somebody mm -hmm. who maybe was interested in this in the past, but gave it up or never pursued it or for whatever reason didn't get to, you know, really dig in like they wanted and now they're coming back to it. Um, I think that is potentially, at least for both of us, it sounds like a market segment that you maybe wouldn't have expected and that maybe gets overlooked a little bit. Um, but that might be the case in a lot of different niches, you know, no matter what your hobby is, somebody who was into, I don't know, art, you know, when they were young and never got to do it. And now they really want to go back and take art classes. So I bet you, I bet that's out there a lot. I think so. And I, I would have never guessed that, that you actually had people in that age range too, 50, 60, mm -hmm. that, you know, that you had a market for that as well. But that makes sense. Now that you say that, that, you know, people are just kind of, you know, going back to school, getting a different degree, or just, you know, coming back to that passion they had when they were younger. And <laughs> It's hard to know for sure until you actually get started with that type, type of stuff. Right, exactly. So as far as technology, because that was one of the biggest hangups for me, right? Can you talk about like where you're hosting your courses, where you're hosting your videos, what email marketing software you're using, things like that? Yeah, sure. So um, our site right now is on Squarespace, just our homepage, um, where you can kind of learn about us. Uh, we're with Squarespace. Um, and we really like that. We've been there several years. Um, but our actual courses are with Pathrite, pathrite.com. And I know there are these days, amazingly, so many different um, options for where you can put your courses. So I wouldn't ever say like, one is better than the other. I think you just have to find what's right for you. Um, there's a lot of reasons that we really like being with Pathrite. We were initially on WordPress. Uh, no, we were thinking about being on WordPress. When we first launched our courses, we did launch with Pathrite and we've been there ever since for several years now. Um, so our courses are there um, and that's like our own site. But we also have our courses on Udemy.com or Udemy, I, people say it differently. Um, we have our courses there and then, um, some other, you know, small avenues, but those, um, Udemy and, and our own site, those are our primary, um, hosts for courses. So that's where we run those. And then, um, I'm sorry, what else do you ask me about? Um, do you have an email autoresponder? So 
email, um, we're not really collecting emails at this point and building an email list. Um, we were for a while and we've used um, MailChimp in the past and we liked, we liked that service. Um, the reason that we're not doing it is because we've experimented in the past with like collecting emails um, via a free trial or a lead magnet or whatever. Um, but we have a lot of content on YouTube and we kind of feel like you can already sort of get to know us, get to know our product, figure out if you like us. Um, and we're like really accessible through our website, uh, you know, with the contact form there, we have intercom set up. So people, you know, will message us, they can ask questions. So it's really interactive before somebody would sign up. So to collect, um, an email address and put somebody sort of through a email marketing sequence. Um, we find that most of our customers already know us pretty well and we don't really need to lead them through that before we say, Hey, we have courses and you know, you might want to check those out. Um, so we sort of shorten that and go like from YouTube straight to our site and then to our courses. So that's actually something we're not even doing today. That's a really interesting perspective because everybody talks about how you have to build your list. The money is in the right. list and right. you are, you're a case study of being successful without that. That's very interesting. <laughs> so looking back to 2009 is when you about, uh, about when you started to create content and 2013 is when you lost your, launched your first course, right? Right. Look, looking back to either of those times, is there anything you would have done differently looking back and knowing what you know today? Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest thing is I would have stepped back and looked a little bit, just a little bit more at the long-term vision. Um, we both, my husband and I have a tendency to just jump in and do it and start and get it done, which I really think has been an advantage for us. And I think it's really important just to do and try and start and go for it and you know, course correct along the way later. So I wouldn't necessarily have changed that. But when we started, we didn't necessarily have, you know, what do we want this to look like? Or, you know, what do we really want this to be? We just sort of started making content. And so I think um, knowing what I know now, knowing where it's gone, if we could have thought a little bit more about where do we really want to take this? Like, what do we want to build this into? What do we want our lifestyle to look like? How do we want to help people? Then we might've, for example, gone for the online courses a little sooner or, um, you know, built uh, a, a better experience on YouTube or on different platforms um, so that the content there was more tailored for like, you get a taste of it, but then you come back to our site for the full course experience as opposed to having a ton of examples that are sort of all over the place or, you know, something like that. So um, I think I just would have pondered a little bit more the long-term vision. What advice do you have for somebody who doesn't have any marketing experience, doesn't have an online presence at all? They have some sort of hobby, something they're passionate about and are like you and your husband back in 2009, where you knew you wanted to do something online, but, um, but weren't sure of the direction yet. You, you have no experience. What advice do you have for somebody like that? Yeah. So kind of, like I said, um, in response to the last question, 
I, it sounds cliche, but I really would just start, just like jump in. I think so many people um, plan and think and strategize and read or go to a conference or whatever and delay like actually executing, actually doing, actually starting, um, which is totally understandable because it's scary and there's a lot to do and a lot to figure out. Um, but just speaking from my own experience, from our own experience, um, we've only been successful because we just jumped in there and we did it and we got going and we figured it out along the way. And so if somebody is just getting started or they have an idea, you're not going to set up your perfect course or your perfect business or foresee all your mistakes before they would happen and fix them before you ever start. You have to just start where you can and then kind of figure it out as you go. And whether that's, um, you know, you start by creating a little bit of content because you know you can do that or you start by, um, building just your homepage and, and collect emails because, you know, you kind of have an idea about how you might do that and you start a blog, start and, and then be persistent, you know, just tell yourself you're going to start, start today and then promise yourself you're going to be persistent and keep going. And, um, maybe it sounds silly, but I really would say jump in because if you know, you want to do it, you can do it. If you just get going and, and don't stop. That's, that's great advice. You know, I, I've recorded my piano course four times to this date. And when I look back at that very first version, like exactly. I just, I hate it so much, but <laughs> if I would have never created yeah. that version, I'd never have the version I have today, which I really feel really good about and it's helping all kinds of people. So I think that's awesome advice. Even if you don't have like the full vision or, you know, the exact steps and, and where you want to go, like you probably yeah. know what you could do right now. So just get started. Let's get it done. No, that's such a good point. And I, I love that you said you even recorded your course multiple times because I feel like your course is like, it's your, your pride and joy. It's like the one big thing. It's not some Facebook video you did or a post you put on Twitter or whatever. It's your big thing. And you've even re-recorded that several times, but you just started with the version. And yeah, you would have loved to have recorded the fourth version the first time, but you started and did it. And then when it got to the point where it's like, I really re need to redo this, you did it and you did it again. And, and it's gotten better every time. And you know, you're here. So just to, um, to start and then do what you need to do to re-record or change or, you know, pivot, you can do that along the way. Very cool. Well, look, this is uh, this has been a pleasure for me, absolutely. And uh, I've learned a lot. Like, I think the biggest thing is that you can be successful without a list. Like, I'm my mind is blown <laughs> by that. So I might have to look into that and see see what takeaways I can take from that because most of my sales come through my list. So absolutely, uh, that's, that's awesome. So thank you so much for your for your time and being here with thank me. Thank you. Um, look, why don't you just kind of wrap up by telling people where they can find you online and if there's anything else you want to share. Sure. Um, so I'm KristaKingMath.com. Um, that's our site. You can find us on YouTube, um, YouTube slash The Integral Calc, our old business name um, that we can't change. But we're basically Krista King Math everywhere else, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all that. So that's where you could find me. Um, 
I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. It's so exciting to finally get to meet you. I know you um, reached out in 2013 and, you know, you hadn't gone full time at this yet. And, you know, you said, I'd like to be able to do this. And then to hear from you again and see you say, I did it. I went full time. I'm doing this um, is amazing. I think that's, you know, what so many people are dreaming about doing. And so you're a perfect example of showing them that they can do it. And I would just tell people, you know, you even said, you're not the best piano player in the world. I'm not a mathematician, but we both like figured out that we enjoyed helping people, you know, how to start. We, we made a path and we kept going. We're still at it. And so if somebody wants to get going and, you know, and build an online course, just figure out how you can help people and um, go forward with it. If it's something you love to do, you know, you, you can make it, you can make it. So that's all I would say. I just really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind words. This is uh, this has been a pleasure and hopefully we'll get to uh, talk one day again soon. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. All right. That's going to do it for another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. Thank you everyone out there for sticking around with me for another episode. And thank you to Krista for sitting down with me for this one. If you are out there and you want to take whatever hobby or passion it is that you have, you know, like Chris has with math, like I had with piano, and you want to turn that into a profitable online course, I have a free quick start guide waiting for you at the online course guide.com. That's the eight steps to turning your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. So go ahead and head there now, the online course guide.com and get started. And we will talk to you next time.